0: Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Good morning, everybody, and good evening for those in the US or Canada. I want to welcome this beautiful lady, Tisha Casabanta. I'm going to get you to introduce yourself in a minute, but I want to give a bit of a background story to those of you watching us here. Um, Tisha is actually in our Facebook group under the Facebook name t Sherry. So some of you might have already noticed a few of her comments, which are always very positive, very supportive. And that's why Tisha actually stood out for me. And we had a bit of a chat behind the camera and we decided to have a Zoom call together a couple of days ago. And instantly we had so many connections and so many parallels that I decided, Tisha, I need to get you in front of camera for our audience, for our group here, Loving Life After Loss, and uh, chat a little bit about our parallels, about our background stories, and I am so pumped that you're taking an hour out of your time to chat to us today. And the topic that we have chosen for today is post-traumatic growth, and I am absolutely pumped about this topic. But before we go there, I'm gonna get Tisha to introduce herself to our audience. Can you say a little bit about you, Tisha? Who are you and how did you get into Loving Love After Loss?
1: Okay. um, I've been a funeral director for 22 years and transitioned into becoming a grief coach a year ago. And, um, you know, it's just all about helping people you and I do have so many parallels. The first name of my business was Life After Loss. And of course, I was attracted to the name of your group because,
0: mm.
1: you know, living after loss. And yeah. then and then I couldn't believe you when you dropped your hashtag as Up Spiral and the name of the what I ended up naming my business is Upward Spiral
0: yeah. Group Coaching. I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, we had so many um, connections, and um, I joined your group, and it is a lovely group of so many beautiful people
0: who mm-hmm.
1: express themselves trim- with so much heart and love, and yeah. your live videos, you counsel your members daily, you hold their hand, mm-hmm. and you... <laughs> You help so many people, even as a listener wh- mm. who isn't actively going through the grief process. When I hear you mm. speak, it inspires me so much. And Thank you so much. Good, because what I do is along the lines of what you are telling people. The, the yeah. guidance that you're giving to your, your friends is um, so much along the line of what I do. And mm. I think it's so important for that type of support to be out there for the bereaved.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for pointing that out because I think that is really the focus that we both have, as in really the helping of the healing, you know. And I always say that, and people might <laughs> might get a bit over it by, by now, but I have to highlight it over and over again. There are way too many grief groups out there who focus on the suffering and keeping people stuck in that space rather than actually helping them in the healing. But before we go further into that topic, um I'd really love to know, Tisha, how did you actually get into the funeral industry? Did you experience a loss before that and did that trigger it or uh were you drawn to that industry for different reasons? How did you how did you start or get into the funeral industry in the first place?
1: Well, um that was <laughs> a very long time ago and yeah. uh it was actually a high school class project, where
0: um, oh, wow. <laughs> our- uh, I didn't ask you that question before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our one of the assignments that our English teacher gave to us was to, yeah. as a senior in high school, to map out the next five years of our life and where we're gonna go to college, what we're gonna study, what we're yeah. going to do, what field we're gonna get into, et cetera. And I was just at a loss. I really wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. I wanted, I was interested in arts. Um, I'm, I paint, I draw, I, I love photography. And I, I sort of thought about that. But when I was in high school, I had the long black hair and dressed in black mm-hmm. all the time. And I was you know, really pondering what to do. And the teacher came by and she says, just be a mortician. And I thought, wow. yeah, <laughs> well, we had also done a, um, one of those assessment tests that categorizes you into different professions that you may be good at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, a mortician had come up on that list and she knew wow. that, so, but she was also somewhat teasing me. And, yeah. um, and I thought, you know, I don't I'm know anything a nice about way. That profession. in a nice way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I started doing some research on uh, the funeral industry, and I ended up writing out a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was living in uh, Virginia, in the U.S., and Mm -hmm. the mortuary school was here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, I didn't exactly follow the plan exactly. First, I went to Mm -hmm. college to do art. And this was in the late 90s, and everything was transitioning into digital art. Mm. Uh, Photoshop was the the newest thing, and (laughs) manipulation of photographs. And I just didn't want to be behind a computer, Mm. I wanted a hands on job. Yeah. And um, I, The whole curriculum just went over to computer graphics and I
0: just didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that I didn't want to be in marketing or advertising. So it's funny that you say that sorry to interrupt you quickly, because when when this teacher suggested to be a musician, I thought, well, if you're wearing black all the time, and if you tease people by the cliche of their clothing or whatever or appearance. Then, uh, yeah, wearing black all the time, mortician or working in advertising. And now you mentioned that actually because <laughs> I worked in advertising for like 10, 10 plus years and one of my friends is actually watching right now and I was in the advertising college uh, with her, Isa, hi, nice to have you here. And. <laughs> It's really funny, like when you wore grey, that was like the multi-coloured of advertising, you know. <laughs> and um, and I wore black for many, many years due to that reason. So, yeah, it's, it's really funny that, that so you say funny. that. And for everyone, when you uh, stalk teacher's Facebook profile, which I did because I had to find a photo for this. Very event, you can certainly tell that you are into art and into photography when you look through um, your your profile pictures. of like, oh yeah, it really stands out. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's always yeah. a passion of mine and something I continually do. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, I uh, went to a funeral home and asked for a job, mm. and. It, I mean it, it sounds really easy, but that's the way the doors open for me. Yeah. They they did give me a job and then they offered me an apprenticeship and mm-hmm. I did the apprenticeship and the first body that I prepared, I was so nervous. Yeah. You know, it was my very first I did the the embalming, the hair, the makeup, mm. the nails, yeah. the presentation yeah. of this beautiful woman. Yeah. And I was in the back room and my um, supervisor came out and he said, real serious. He said, Tisha, the family wants to talk to you. And I thought, you know, this isn't gonna be good. And he brought me out and they had tears in their eyes. And they said that their mother had never, hadn't looked that good in years. And I brought her back to when she looked healthy, and that's a, exactly the way they wanted to remember her, and they just gave me the biggest embrace, and oh. I thought that feeling I've never had before.
0: Mm.
1: I've never had that type of pride in wow. anything, that's and so beautiful. And I knew that that was where I belonged. Yeah, and um, working with the families as well as preparation of the decedents. Um, yeah, because that's where the art came in. I wanted yeah. to sort of work in the back and do reconstruction for people mm-hmm. that uh, died of yeah. trauma. Yeah. and um, you know, because there's a lot of sculpting involved and a lot of color theory and in cosmetics and and so forth. But once mm-hmm. I once I was in front of the people. I had a connection that I wanted to continue having. And so it was just a a beautiful marriage of being able to do the physical work of the job, Mm. but also being able to do the psychological part of the job and really being able to help people.
0: Yeah. I had no idea. How much much connection did you actually have? Was it part of the job or was it just something that you, uh, automatically did because it was in your nature to connect to the family and help them through that or was that part of your job anyway?
1: Well yeah it's part of the job absolutely to sit with the family mm. and gather information but yeah. I I found that I was a natural for it. Mm. I just love like I just love talking to families yeah. about their loved one and making them feel at ease in yeah. a very uncomfortable situation,
0: getting yeah. them to laugh. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and well, the more- Before I go to the next question, Tisha, I just quickly wanna say hi to a few people here. There's a few people that have joined in, uh, Heather, Terry, the usual suspects, I absolutely love it. Hello, lovely ladies. Uh, Catherine is watching. Hi, Catherine. Luna, Lisa, everyone, that's my sister. I'm always super happy when I see her tune in live from Austria, because it's quite late over there now. It's already midnight. Um, Lisa Livingston, hello, lovely to see you here. Isa, thank you so much. That's really lovely. Um, how? Hey, I can't say, okay, bless your morticians. Thank you, lovely. Lisa. So yes, my grandmother uh, did people's hair for morticians, lived in Newport um, for a little while. How lovely is that? That's really nice to know. Um, Andrea, I'm not really sure what you mean. I'm trying to access this but can't. When you comment on that, you're obviously watching the live. So I'm not really sure what you're trying to act as. If you could let me know, then I can maybe help you through this. Hi, Selena. Um, Peter, back to you. I want to also know, as in when you, so for how many years did you do that to work in a funeral home?
1: 22 years.
0: Wow. So at what stage in your journey did the coaching come in? At what stage did you go like, I really want to go into the coaching world and, and add that uh, to my repertoire or, you know, where did you do then the split to go like, okay, I'm done with the funeral industry. I'm just going to tell me a little bit about that. Where did it come in and when did you do the transition from the funeral home to leave that after 22 years and then um, go into coaching? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I can. Um, I, I do have a medical condition, that mm-hmm. I have um, struggled with for since I was 20 years old,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, during the years it would get really, really bad, and I would have to have yeah. surgery and go out on mm-hmm. leave, and mm-hmm. um, then I'd get better. And but it was the severity of it um, became very bad in let's see February of 2019. It got really, really bad. And my doctor sort of told me, you just can't go on anymore. You just can't keep pushing yourself and going the way that you, that you that you are. And I recommend that you go on disability. So I had to, and it was a good thing, Marie. I had to realize that it was time for me to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. That through all of this and how I kept pushing on and putting other people first through all of the years, I needed to take a step back and reevaluate my own health and my own well-being. So I um, resigned and uh, applied for disability. Mm-hmm. And in the interim, while I was waiting for the disability, I got a job doing <laughs> selling uh, life insurance. Mm -hmm. working from home and I'm not a salesperson at all I mean Mm -hmm. I'm just not cut out for it and I would sit here with a headset on and the computer would automatically dial people and I would go Mm -hmm. through this written script about um you know trying to make them buy life insurance and one of the questions was what type of legacy would you like to leave to your family my and own. it was supposed to be a financial question, of course. but yeah. people didn't take it that way. And they would say, well, when my husband died, I remember him for being, you know, X, Y, Z. So, yeah. and I said, oh, well, tell me about your husband. Aww. And then completely off track, we would start talking <laughs> about, <laughs> we would talk about their loved one. And yeah. I realized just over and over again throughout the day that's what I enjoyed doing was talking Mm. to people about their loss. And the woman that ran the insurance company was a life coach and not being very familiar with coaching. I wondered, is there a death coach? (laughs) Is Mm. there some other um, modality that could, where I could actually turn this into a career? Because I love it so much and I'm used to doing it. This is like second nature to me. So I went online and found Grief Coach. And then Mm -hmm. I found a program for a certification course and I signed up for Mm -hmm. that. So that was how I ended up doing that. And it was the right path. Um, I couldn't ask for a better transition. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It has been just as wonderful as when I worked at the funeral home, as far as the gratitude of my clients and watching their transition
0: Mm. from
1: start to finish is really remarkable.
0: Yeah. And And what what a beautiful transition. Like when you think of, you know, you were obviously told quite clearly that there's a time to look after yourself. And then this tiny little transition piece, that little puzzle piece of the life insurance job that you really didn't like, but you figured out what you actually like through that, which I always love when you, come across something where like, wow, this is so not me, but it was meant to happen for you to transition to the next step. And it's really funny because we we already have, yeah, we already have so many parallels like with with the naming. And my step into coaching was through a sales job as well. And they invited (laughs) me to come along to one of their um, seminars that they did, like a weekend seminar, all expenses paid for, just come along. We want you to see what we do. So if you like it, you can have the job. And i went to this seminar not knowing anything about what they do and it was all about self-development and coaching and i was like i don't want to do sales i want to do that (laughs) instead of taking the job i signed up for their course maybe that was the trick no i don't think so but anyway i signed up for their course went into coaching and then they offered me to become one of their master coaches and i was like no thanks i'm starting my own business i was just you know it was really interesting and that was through a sales job that I was like, well, I'm not passionate, but, you know, I just need to do something for now. And yeah, so I stumbled yeah, into that. Yeah, there's so many, uh,
1: these pathways are so yeah. interesting to hear how they lead be. you to where you're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I That's absolutely really love new. it. So before we get to Star Trek now about sales and anything else, I, I really want to bring it to our actual topic today. So in this whole idea of like when you dropped this um, for the first time when we had our chat on Zoom a couple of days ago and you said post-traumatic growth, I'm like, oh, my God, we need to talk about this. This is just such a beautiful topic because everybody, uh, when it comes to grief, to loss, talks about PTSD and uh, post-traumatic stress and how to overcome it, can you overcome it, what's the best way? And most people associate PTSD with the military, with people that have been in the war, have worked in the army, have watched uh, their their uh, comrades die, and really struggle with finding their way back into a normal life. And this is a huge, huge topic. However, it doesn't stop, or it's not just uh, within the army. It is actually a really, really big topic overall. With anybody who has experience. Uh, any sort of trauma in their life but with our group here being loving love after loss for today we don't want to focus on the stress on the disease disorder whatever people might put their labels on it or name it really because it's not just a label it's an actual thing but we want to focus on the post-traumatic growth part and this is what really really caught my attention because I'm all up for that. As you know, my whole life, my everything, my whole group is dedicated to growth, to healing. So where did that first enter your life, that whole topic of post-traumatic growth? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that Tisha, because I'm I'm really, really pumped to talk about that with you today. Yeah, I was actually
1: chatting with another grief coach and Mm -hmm. we were talking about trauma and Mm -hmm. she said, have you ever heard of post-traumatic growth?
0: Mm.
1: No, I haven't. Mm. And even hearing the term, I thought, this is uh, something I need to learn more about. And um, she recommended a workbook. And I purchased a workbook. And I um, went a little bit further. And I purchased another book, which is such a, a great book. It's called What Doesn't Kill Us. Mm -hmm. Um, by Stephen Joseph. And he goes into, he's a psychiatrist, and he goes into several um, stories about people that um, have persevered through their trauma into growth. He goes through statistics, he goes through different tools that can Mm -hmm. be used to help a client achieve those results. Um, But you know, this is what we do as coaches right? Mm-hmm. We assess the, the grief, getting to know the client. We find out where they are in their grief process. Yeah. We help them work through the things that are bothering them, the, mm-hmm. the trauma, if yeah. you will. I mean, I've always thought that grief and PTSD should be treated the same way. This mm-hmm. is, a tra- is a traumatic event that has happened in your life. You yeah. have lost the most important person in your life. Mm. And where do you go from there? Is there, yeah. is there a forward movement to that? But as coaches, mm-hmm. we talk through the hard times, give them advice on what they could do to work through that. Mm-hmm. And then we teach, we, we don't, te- I can't say we teach people, but we guide them into moving forward. Yeah. And that is the growth. So yeah. I realized this strong association between a grief coaching and post-traumatic growth. There are so yeah. many misconceptions when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. It's, it's a response, just like mm. grief is. Grief is nothing more than a response to loss. Yeah. Trauma is a response to an adverse event. Mm. They sound a lot alike. Yeah. And- They're a lot
0: of parallels, definitely.
1: <laughs> absolutely, and uh, mm. there's also a misconception that post-traumatic stress disorder is a lifelong condition. Mm. It's not supposed to be a lifelong condition. There should be healing um, at some point after that. And Mm -hmm. it takes time for it to develop into uh, the classification of a PTSD. Um, Mm -hmm. But it really shouldn't last for a period of longer than maybe six months.
0: Hey, this is just a quick break. If you're enjoying this podcast, think of one person that you'd love to share this with. Thank you. I want to say something about this teacher before everybody jumps on and goes like, whoa, you, you can't tell me that I need to be healed after six months. No, that's not what we're talking no. about here. I think everything, uh, everything in life that is pain related, whether that be emotional or physical, if it's not treated, it will last. You know, it's the whole idea of um, assessing it, seeing what the pain is, the issue is, the challenges, the downfall is the stack, stacking point i don't know if that's even a word i'm just making it up as i go uh the point where you really feel like you get stuck and you can't get past that to assess that and then help you with tools with perspective shifts, with healing and that is what we're talking about here is so, that right not as in six months where if you wait through it it'll be over it's not the waiting yeah. through it's not the period of six months Is the uh, it is not supposed to be a lifelong condition if you do assess it and get help with it. Is that right? Exactly.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, I, the six-month thing is, I i should have said that a little bit better. Um, okay. According to studies, it, PTSD should not be a long, it shouldn't go on for years necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah you know, it's, it's yeah. a condition that should be re- relatively temporary, but it's not. Yeah. And yeah. I feel, I feel like it's because a lot of therapists are not necessarily on the up and up when it comes to new mm-hmm. psychology. Um, post-traumatic yeah. growth came about in the late 1990s mm-hmm. and not even I saw a therapist a few months ago, she'd never heard of it and she was a young woman wow. and she, mm. it was nothing that she had ever been taught. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, I definitely don't wanna get that confused. I, I think in the beginning part of grief in the beginning part of a traumatic event, you are in survival mode. Yeah. You are just trying to get through the day, um, process your emotions and how you feel. That is perfectly normal. That's something you do have to go through. Mm -hmm. However, if it gets to that point, a couple of months down the road, where you just, you're crying all day long, you're Mm -hmm. thinking about possibly the way your loved one died, that keeps what I call a trauma loop going on in the head because you're still trying to comprehend why your loved one isn't here. Mm. You know, she went to the store to get some bread and Mm. a car T-boned her and she spun out of control and the car flipped and she hit her head and had traumatic brain injury. And so your, your mind kind of goes into this rewind to process, to comprehend why the person isn't here anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you and I talked about that a little bit the other yeah. night.
0: Yeah.
1: And usually for, for me, I know it's different for everybody, but when mm-hmm. I step in as a grief coach, usually that is the predominant uh, thought process that the family, the person is stuck with. They don't mm-hmm. know how to move past that. yeah. And that's, you know, when I would step in and try to coach them out of that and yeah. have them think a little bit differently because yeah. through the whole thing, also it changes your thought patterns. Thought patterns tend to change where you don't, you think grief is going to last you forever.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: start preparing for this to never go away. You mm-hmm. think I'm going to feel this way. If I'm not crying, I'm not, and I'm not actively grieving, then yeah. that means I'm all better. And I'm not sad anymore that my loved one is gone. Yeah, You could laugh and still be sad.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, give yourself much, permission so, to- yeah. The one thing that I'm always caught, um, quite- big about is that it's not only socially accepted that uh you know there is the grief there's the pain uh society doesn't really offer us a lot of tools a lot of help when it comes to that it's socially accepted that you you lose someone and you grieve and you'll be stuck in sadness for a long time or sometimes even forever depending on the cultures and um and i had this conversation with my brother-in-law you know when we talked about um when I met someone and I began a new relationship in my life and we had this chat about how uh, my in-laws reacted about it and I knew it would hurt them. I knew that because it's their son that passed and it's a very, very different uh, cultural background as well. And he said to me, you know, Marie, it's the Italian background. They expect you to you know, grief for at least 10 years. And, um, you know, it, it was a really interesting conversation that we had there. And, and I'm saying that with a whole lot of respect because I absolutely love my in-laws. And um, it's not just a fact that it's socially acceptable. It's actually expected by society that you grieve for at least a year, if not longer, depending on culture, and that you fall apart. And I have managed, so many moments after Rob passed where people stopped me on the street with a really sad face like, How are you coping? And I was like, Well I'm actually all right. And I almost felt apologetic for feeling good, you know, and I'm like, why do I feel like that? I'm not supposed to feel apologetic because I'm doing great. I actually embrace it. I actually want to feel like that. And this is a promise that I made to Rob before he passed. Of course when you talk about it, it was theory, but we both said, if something was to ever happen to you I want you to live a happy life. We both said that to each other. I'm like, this is my chance. I need to do this. Not just for myself, but for our boys. I, Of course, it wasn't easy. It was nothing that happened overnight and I switched to happy and everything was great. It was something that I worked on every single day. It was a choice I made every single day. But society doesn't expect that of you. They actually expect the opposite. They expect you to fall apart and it's socially acceptable. So that's that loop that keeps you stuck in that suffering, which is actually not necessary. It is actually normal that it happens for a certain amount of time. And as you said, you can be sad and happy at the same time. And eventually, if you allow it and if you choose it, the happiness will grow bigger and bigger and will take over. But it doesn't mean that you don't honour your loved ones anymore or that you've forgotten about them or that you don't love them anymore. And that is where I feel that there's a huge letdown from society. I'm not sure what your experience with that is, but that's my experience, how I went through that. So, um, if, if you don't mind me asking Tisha, because I know we wanted to actually ask that question before we got onto this topic, but do you mind sharing a little bit about your personal background in terms of losses, what your experience was? Is that okay if I ask you that?
1: Yeah, it is, yeah. my um... My first loss was was actually my grandmother when I was about ten years old, and yeah. um, I remember after my grandmother passed away, my father was crying, and I knew why he was crying. I, I understood. Yeah. My all I wanted to do was help him. Yeah. I just instinctually I was just a little kid but I was trying to think of words that would comfort him or giving him a hug or some way of consoling him Mm. but um, as I grew older I lost my mother when I was 32 years old Mm. and that hit me very hard because she was the first person that was very close to me that Mm. I had lost and it took me a very long time to get to an okay place without her in my life. And I didn't seek any type of help. I figured, well, this is it. There's people go through this all the time and I just have to live with my feelings and my my grief. And I did actively grieve probably for about a year. No, it was two years. Because I remember two Mm -hmm. years to the day, I started feeling somewhat okay again. Mm -hmm. And then my stepfather, her companion died. And then it's just been uh, sort of a domino effect recently in my Mm -hmm. family. I Mm -hmm. um, lost two uncles, my dear grandfather, who helped raise me. Um, my grandmother in September, and then my aunt, just it, at the end of November recently. Yeah. And but the way I reacted was a lot different because I feel yeah. like I, I know how to manage my emotions better now. Yeah. Where I go, when my aunt died, I I was very sad, but I thought, just immediately, my thought was. I'm going to make her life have purpose
0: Mm.
1: and I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about grief and it's going to be dedicated to her Mm -hmm. and, and also my grandmother. And when, when my grandmother died, I, I felt, I felt immediately that her life was bigger than the loss of her. Yeah. Yeah you know, her. the memories she left me with, the things that she had taught me, how lucky I was to have this woman as a grandmother my whole life mm. was more powerful than her not being here anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: So I have found these coping skills, you know, throughout the years that have worked very well for me. Because mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Marie, that a lot of this is a choice. It mm-hmm. is in your mindset and it's yeah. creating a different behavior. It's creating um, this uh, state of gratitude within mm-hmm. your loss instead of yeah. this poor little me, I don't have yeah. this person in my life anymore mm-hmm. and I'll never be the same. These mm-hmm you know sort of thought ceilings as i call them where you don't think there's anything beyond those emotions i love
0: i love that you say that because this is this is such a valid point i really want to highlight that you know that i will never be the same so many people say that in a negative way in a pardon me to say that frankly in a victim sort of way and when you look into those grief support groups um where there's all about the suffering, the loss, the tragedy, rather than the healing and the health and the hope and the happiness and all these beautiful H words. Um, and a lot of people, it, it's a sentence that is used over and over again, as in my life will never be the same. Well, of course not. Life per se is changed, but it is so often used in a victim sort of way, in a negative sort of way, in a resigning sort of way where it may as well be taken in a creative sort of way and and just bear with me like before everybody chumps on and goes like how dare you um i don't think people will do it in this group but i know this interview will be shared outside of this group as well and a lot of people go like how dare you how on earth can you say that well every every adversity in life is a turning point and it's up to you to choose where you want your life to go after that i'm not saying don't grieve i'm not saying for uh, for god's sake you know i'm not saying don't be sad it's all part of this it's all part of adversity it's part of normal human reaction response emotions it's all part of the package however where our life goes to afterwards is our choice and life is constant change some of those milestones are a lot more abrupt and unexpected and might put a huge turn in our tracks where we didn't expect it to turn. I, I totally get that. I've lived through it multiple times yet it is up to us. Uh, people always say, well, I, I don't have a choice in this. I didn't choose to lose my husband, my child, my grandmother, my father, my aunt, whoever that was in your life. Of course not. Yet you have a choice in how you respond to it, it and what you allow into your life and who you allow to support you. If you have, you know, we call it in the coaching lingo, the surrounding influences, you know. Are your surrounding influences, the people that surround you and influence you, like workmates, family, friends, um, are they supportive of your growth or are they supported, supportive of your stress um, disorder, if that makes sense? When it comes to post-traumatic, are they supportive of the stress disorder or are they supportive of the growth? And that, will show you instantly it's my my advice is always like choose wisely who you allow into your life who you uh whose advice you allow into your heart because this is a two-way street you know it's the, the one question that i want everybody to ask themselves whether they're the ones giving the advice or receiving it is this advice going to help is this advice going to heal yes or no if it's not then don't give it or don't let it in. And if it is, awesome, give it, let it in, it's perfect. That's how simple it is. Is this going to help me heal? And that's the only question that you need to ask yourself. It's just really our choice. Again, what do we allow in? And be brave, be bold. Stand up and go like, you know what? I do not need this right now, or I need a break. You don't need to cut people out of your life, but just tell them nicely, I just need a break right now. I need to be by myself with this for now and it's absolutely fine. So, yeah. And that
1: that ties in perfectly with um, post-traumatic growth Mm -hmm. because if you do have those positive influences in your life that are going to Mm -hmm. even talk to you as, you okay, you could be the victim.
0: Yeah know you yeah. could be
1: the survivor or you mm-hmm. could be the thriver mm. and the the survivor and the thriver are actually doing better than they were before the loss occurred yeah and it's quite possible to find your purpose in life through a death of a loved one. Several yeah. people have done that I mean yeah. I, you're an example of that you <laughs> you decided <laughs> to use your your intelligence and your knowledge mm. it, that you already had but push it so much further to say yeah. i'm not alone here other mm-hmm. women have lost their husband there's a large community that needs help and i have the tools to help people move mm-hmm. forward and experience a growth because it mm-hmm. happened to you, you know, mm-hmm. it happened to me. And, and not only that, but it, it actually didn't even happen to me until I learned about this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, for years, I had been a victim of some things that had happened to me. I, I mentioned my medical condition and mm-hmm. I've been through nine abdominal surgeries Mm -hmm. and, um, just very ill for most Mm -hmm. of my adult life. And when I think about the hospital and recovery, um, I feel victimized. I feel like this Mm -hmm. was something that happened to me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I, I victimized myself. I mean, pure Mm -hmm. and simple and thought of the hospital as a place that would trigger my trauma and for a long time I had avoided hospitals and getting proper checkups. Once I learned about the growth I thought I'm a survivor of this.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm alive Mm -hmm. and I made it through all of this and I persevered and this, I could be an example to someone else who's going through it right now mm. to let them understand that life could be even fuller than it was had yeah. I not gone through that experience. Mm. A lot of you know it, and I also practice mindfulness, and that is a wonderful mm. practice to get into if you're struggling with trauma. Yeah. Um, and it, That alone really changed my mindset. I learned that Mm. last year, completely changed my life. And that's another um, sign of growth is when you Mm. start to think differently and put yourself in the moment. When you're in the Mm. moment constantly, you're not thinking about the tragic past, nor are you foreseeing a difficult time in the future you're mm-hmm. safe you're in the now you're in the moment yeah and you're taking in everything around you and yeah. noticing a, a blooming flower or a bird that's mm-hmm. flying by you become mm-hmm. more present mm-hmm. and you I
0: appreciate it so much you. yeah and it's such a simple tool i often like somebody said that once i, I would love to quote this person i don't know who it was but i picked this up and i absolutely loved it The, the fear is never in the now. It's always in the future or based on an experience we had in the past. But when you're just in the now, there is no fear. And it's really, it's so true. It's always a projection of, well, you know, for me, it was a huge thing. I I think the biggest, the biggest uh, hurdle for me to work through after the past was my immense fear that something could happen to one of my boys and it was triggered even more so when i first started loving life after a and i had this limiting thought limiting belief like we call it in the coaching lingo of well okay i'm starting this group i've got my experience in i lost my grandmother i watched her pass away in our house when i was 12 i lost my dad when i was 20 and now my husband. And my biggest fear was for somebody to come into this group and say, well, I've lost my child. You've got no idea what that feels like. That it gets into this comparison, but you haven't experienced this, so how can you help me? That was my biggest fear. I'm being up vulnerable, raw, and open here about this. That was, was my biggest fear when I first started the group. And guess what? It made my fear about my kids or one of my kids passing heaps bigger because I thought, oh, my God, what if that is now the, well, there you go. Here's your experience. Now you know how to deal with it. I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to do this. I was driving myself nuts with this fear, with this question, with my downward spiral around how I thought about it, till one day I thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to let this um drive me or rule me i'm not going to allow this thought is fear to have power over me because my whole energy will be drained and will go into this so i decided to just go ahead anyway and do it and start this group and i often say it felt like jumping off a cliff and growing my wings on the way down when i first started it and then i had the beautiful terry Madison Davis, everybody knows her in this group, come into my group, connect with me on such a deep level. She's a really, really dear friend to me nowadays. She's been through literally all of my programs and she has lost her son. And I said that to her many times and, and just recently as well, that I have so much gratitude for her being sent into my life to not only um, help her heal, and help her on her journey she had a tremendous turnaround and shift in her journey she has healed so much i know the world will hear so much from her she's only just at the beginning of the you know uh spreading her um beautiful energy and her healing into the world and let the world be affected by it because she's now transformed through her own journey and um it was also such a gift for me to realize see I don't have to go through this experience myself to help other people because at the end of the day, all that I do in this group is listen, hold their hands, shift their perspectives and allow them to change their thinking around what happened because the beautiful and very simple example, um, how you can shift that, it's a very, very basic example. So many people are like, well, if there even a purpose for me in life, well, rather than asking that, if you just shift it, sliding all of what is my purpose now, that Absolutely. puts your mind into creative mode into thinking mode into wow, opening up what is my purpose now that puts you on the path of finding it rather than is there even a purpose that's resigning that's like giving up already you know you have
1: to so find those a
0: little shifts, yeah,
1: yeah, you have to find a purpose and a yeah. a reason, and um set a daily intention and always move Mm. forward it takes work you know um and a decision and and a decision yeah Yeah. like i heard something recently um it says time heals nothing but what you do Mm. with the time is what heals yeah and it's so simple but it's so true what you do with the time yeah Mm. yeah so instead of going years and years, yeah. you can work on yourself for years and years. And that's a beautiful mm. thing. I yeah. think we're yeah. all a work in progress and we all need to do better tomorrow than what we did today. Mm. And- I
0: agree with that. Time heals nothing. I always say that it's not the time that heals your wounds; It's your decision and you're actively choosing to. Allowing it into your life, you know, the allowing part is really huge in in the topic of grief. you know, allowing healing to come into your life and allowing joy back in, happiness back in. That's a really big thing. And it all starts with one decision every single day. You can make this tiny decision every single day, you know, and it will grow. It's really beautiful. I know. I,
1: I was working with a client the other night and um, we had a wonderful session And Mm -hmm. we were laughing and carrying on. And toward the end of the session, we did a gratitude exercise. Mm -hmm. And it said, what are you grateful for today? And she says, oh, Mm -hmm. this is such a tough question. I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, we have had a great time in -hmm. this last hour. Wouldn't you agree? We've been laughing and you're doing good right now. The next moment, you may not, but right now in this moment it's Mm. a good one and she said Mm. you're right i am okay now so she wrote it down and um she said but am i allowed to feel this way yeah she she didn't think she was allowed to feel good and still miss her husband Mm. and i said absolutely you you he's still there. You know, he's yeah. laughing. When you laugh, he's laughing yeah. with you. And, and he would, I would
0: want you to be happy. You, That's a big part, you know?
1: Exactly. And you can still have that mm. connection with your loved one, whether you're crying or whether you're laughing. And I, I do have to say that the people who don't seek any type of help or talk to people or open up or try to do better in their they're closed in and grieving so so hard I feel mm-hmm. after a period of time it's actually a dishonor to their loved one yeah, personally God. I would not like for someone to grieve for me and cry mm-hmm. I want someone to smile when they think about mm-hmm. me and celebrate I want my to, life. Yeah. yeah, celebrate my life, you know, and, mm. and that's what we do during the funeral ceremony. Yeah, We're all doing it. We're, we're all experiencing a bit of post-traumatic growth when we hold a funeral and yeah. a eulogy is spoken and songs are mm. played and words mm. of remembrance are given. It's yeah. all in love and gratitude for the person mm. that died. So we all have that yeah. in us and we all know that that is the send-off we would give to our loved ones. Mm. So why not celebrate that in the weeks and months to come? Yeah. I love that you say
0: that, Tisha. I absolutely love it because I really feel that there needs to be I'm, honest, I'm honestly saying this, there needs to be a lot more fun and happiness and joy being shared at the funerals because it needs to be a celebration of life and not the focus just on the loss, which often happens at the funeral. And I know that I started my eulogy with a joke. That was my opening line. I didn't even plan to. It just happened because I, I could not read the eulogy without reading glasses. And There was this funny story that happened before where I couldn't find my reading glasses. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to read the eulogy if I can't see it, you know? So I started, the whole thing was a was a joke because Rob would always say, little old lady, and he made it sound like a yodelling noise when I could not see anything without reading glasses. And I said that out loud there, you know? I, I can hear Rob say that to me. And I put a couple of jokes in a eulogy as well. And uh, it was really nice. It was light and nobody expected that, you know? So it really helped everyone there to it gave them this allowing to celebrate and be joyful and the celebration that we had afterwards there was so much laughter so much joy so many beautiful stories shared. it really warmed my heart i didn't expect that and it made me so happy i did not expect to be happy at my husband's funeral yeah. i didn't expect it and it was so beautiful and i know that shalina i'm not sure if she's still live watching this um shalina did a party instead of, or as a funeral, not instead of, it was a party for her husband because that's who he was. He was all about jokes and fun. And she did that in I a big, that. I can't remember what it was, but it was just so beautiful and I loved it. And she said so much so that many people asked her afterwards, like, so when's the actual funeral gonna be? And she's like, that's it, <laughs> that's it. You know, that's the celebration of Bruce's life. And I thought that was so beautiful because it was so him and I'm talking as if I know him already because Shalina has shared so much about her husband that I feel like I had known him. And and uh, I, I just want to read this out as well because Terry said, Marie, it's because of you and loving love after loss that I'm where I am today. I, I absolutely love this, Terry. Thank you so much. And I, I'm so grateful that you're part of this because Terry and Shalina, by the way, are also part of my moderator team because they've been with me for more or less from the beginning. So I love it. Uh, this is part of my daily gratitude, yes. And yeah, Shalina, I'm here. It was a fabulous party, awesome. (laughs) I just absolutely love that you did that, Shalina. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely certain that nobody will ever, will ever, with tequila, (laughs) nobody will ever forget this party, you know? It's just something that I'm absolutely certain that it's exactly what Bruce would have wanted. And that to me is so much more important than what society expects of you or what society expects us to do at the funeral at you know in our grieving journey there are so many wrong expectations that really dictate us and I'm putting it out there you know with Tisha on my side because I know we are completely on the same page with that Um, it is up to you to choose what you do with it don't let society dictate you and how fast how deep you have to grieve how much you have to fall apart you can choose to focus on happiness and to focus on the beautiful memories of the person that has passed in your life and bring that forward and celebrate that because there's enough reason to celebrate. You know, it's, it's our choice really what we do with that. Tisha, I want to, I want to bring one more question back to you in terms of post-traumatic growth, because without preparation, we both know that it's quite confronting to bring this topic into a healing journey. So tell us a little bit about your process or your steps prior to that How do you actually suggest that when you work with people um, in their healing journey? How do you bring this concept of post-traumatic growth into their healing journey when they come and work with you?
1: Um, Well, it it depends on whether or not it's prominent within that, for that person. If they actually feel traumatized by the death of their loved one, most people Mm -hmm. are. So I, like I said, you know, and it's, it's almost common cognitive behavioral therapy where mm. first we yeah, talk, absolutely. we assess the situation, we mm. understand their thoughts and feelings around the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then we address the action that took place. Mm. And then we get into their reaction to the loss and help Mm. them react in a healthy, uh, proper way that will inspire healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, again, it's all about helping them move forward. So once we get through sort of the meat of what is really at their heart, that's the thought that is making them cry all the time, the thought that is keeping them from picking up the phone and reaching out to a friend or a family member, Mm -hmm. We work through those obstacles and there's so many different tools to give to a client, to move them into the period of growth. And eventually, and that would be where our relationship ends is when they have gotten to the point where they have found a new purpose in life and Mm -hmm. they have grown exponentially from their loss. Yeah. Um, some of the tools would be maybe just a self-compassion letter, mm-hmm. um, going mm-hmm. back to that moment where they were faced making very important decisions mm-hmm. and going back and giving themselves a hug and comforting mm-hmm. them and bringing them into the now and saying, mm-hmm. you know, look, girl, you made it, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. you, you, you. <laughs> You're, you've survived the death of your husband, and mm. you're here in the now. and mm. how you decide to create your moment is absolutely up to you. and it could be any feeling you want to feel right now. Yeah, and let give them back the power. Yeah, So many people feel imprisoned and held back as mm. if they have no control over the situation. Yeah. It has happened, and yes, you can't go back and fix it. Mm. But again, your reaction to it is—yeah. But you can help. You could yeah. help yourself, and you deserve—you deserve the best life possible going forward. Mm. And we're we we simply serve as guides to help them get through their difficulties and when they get to that point, finally, you know, let them go and release them mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. their new life that they very well deserve. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's all I could say about it really is it's beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I hope grief coaching gets more recognition mm-hmm. um, that people know that we're out here to yeah. help in this manner. You know, there's yeah. a start and an end to are working with a client Mm. it's not these year two year three year five year you know uh, relationships that go on forever Mm. it's for a short period of time and there's amazing transformation that happens during that time
0: period Mm. i i see that quite often like in my group you know when you say the relationship ends for me that's often where the relationship starts but it's like the coaching relationship ends. And then there's this friendship that comes out of it, you know, with a lot of people in this group. And in particular, the ones that are watching online now, you know, Terry, Selena, and and then they become your moderators. And because they're so, uh, they're such beautiful examples of growth, how they've come through their own adversity and that they have chosen to do something about that. They've chosen to allow love and happiness back into their lives. And the transformation is incredible. So, I literally put it out there to them and said, how would you feel about helping me moderate the group? And I've got five people now that have chums up and and said, yeah, I absolutely love that. And they're doing a fantastic job in helping me because there's close to 3,000 people in this group now. And I could not possibly get on top of all the questions and answers they have. So for me, it is such a blessing um, with everything that I give in this group to have people put their hand up and give back, not, just to the group, but also to me, and it, it is an absolute blessing. And I count my blessings every single day in this group, how many people jump up and help hold space for people that need to be listened to, that need somebody to catch them from falling and say, you know, you've come to the right place. You, you're here because we wanna support you and love you through this. And uh, with that being said, because I know we are pretty much at the end of our time here, Keisha, I I would love for you, uh, when we finish this interview, if you could jump back uh, and go into the comments of our interview here. Mm -hmm. And if you could please share a link or two where people can actually connect with you, if people have any questions, if people want to touch base with you, uh, connect with you, um, you can share your social media handles, your Facebook page your what whatever you have or people can reach out to you connect with you or if it's okay with you they send a private message that that's fine uh, to like whatever you want people to do to connect with you just please put that um handle or link in the group in the comments below this interview so people don't have to go around search for it it's literally in the comments below and uh yeah any final words Thanks. from you tisha
1: you know, just keep moving. Everyone keep moving forward. Your group mm. is so beneficial. Keep reaching Indeed. out. Um, there's so much support, even yeah. from people that are going through the same thing as you. Sometimes yeah. they're the best ones to yeah. assist you. And yeah. just keep keep telling your story. Yeah. Keep telling your I story. Also, and, be, and also be the storyteller, to your yes. loved one. You yes. have that obligation. You you knew your husband better than anyone. And mm. you are, you're still here on earth to tell his story and keep him alive in memory. Yeah. You could very well find your purpose in life just by being a storyteller.
0: Mm-hmm. And also be wise in your joys, You know, just because people have gone through the same thing with you, doesn't mean that they're a positive influence on your journey. You know, just be mindful of whether they're actually helping you heal and support you through that, or if they drag you back down, cause that's where they're stuck and can't get out. So just a little word of warning around that. is, is you really clear on uh, these people walking the same path with you, are they actually here to help or to hinder you from growth? So that's the only question I would like to add to that. Um, Tisha, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for spending this one hour here. If anybody wants to connect with Tisha, she is in our Facebook group under Tisha Re. So you'll see it when she actually posts the links, um, who she is, and uh, Terry, Dr. Tisha, thank you so much for your interview and sharing so much An awesome uh, one hour with you both. I love your, I have to click on see more. I love your work. <laughs> thank you so much, Terry. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you, everybody who's watching the replay. Please follow the hashtag #replay if you catch that later and not live right now. And Tisha, thank you so much for your time and energy thank and your you. beautiful wisdom that you've shared with us. I absolutely love your story. So thank you for being here. Thank you,
1: Marie.
0: Bye, everyone. See you soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about loving life after loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.